Friday night is another Power Five matchup that is something we haven't seen all week. Uh, on the second day of the bowls, on Saturday, we got Florida and Oregon State, and uh, and we haven't seen another Power Five versus Power Five. Now we have Wake Forest and Missouri, and these are two actually interesting programs uh, because Missouri used to have a a longtime coach, Gary Pinkle, who had a really good program going on for a while, and now Wake Forest has that with Dave Clawson. And Missouri's trying to find the magic since Pinkle retired. And Wake Forest had their best year ever uh, last year. It was everything that Clawson had been working on with his culture, with his offensive football. Uh, still, they, they've struggled on defensive side since Mike Elko left, uh, his, the longtime defensive coordinator under uh, Clawson. And he, he's proven his worth wherever he's went. Now he's a head coach at Duke and doing well. But still, their offense was so great last year. And it's just a culture. I mean, they, one thing about Wake Forest is they always wear out at the end of the years because they struggle to recruit the kind of depth that you need to be battling in the ACC and in the Power Five. And the ACC is improving. So that the conference is, you know, it's not SEC, but it's it's getting, it's strong now. It's stronger than it was. So the schedule's getting tougher. So what he did last year, what he accomplished last year was just incredible, uh, going 11-3. and three. And coming into this year, he lost some of that depth. And then, sure enough, he started getting hit up by injuries. Again, a tough schedule. And... The, especially his defensive backfield, the, the defense just started to fall apart at the end of the year. So they almost started off 7-0. and zero. That's Wake Forest. They only lost a double overtime to Clemson, a high-scoring affair. Uh, Sam Hartman, their quarterback's been great. They have a, a receiver, uh, Terry, a, a, I'm sorry, A.T. Perry, and he's been incredible. And, you know, their offense in general, their offensive line's been strong again. Uh, they don't have the running game quite what they had uh, in years past, so they did drop some in yardage. And I think there might have been some banged-up guys on the line, too. I mean, they just have had injuries. And after starting off 6-1, and one, almost 7-0, and zero, they got burned by Louisville, NC State, lost a real close shootout to North Carolina, were able to beat Syracuse in a tough one, and then lost to Duke by three. So they ended up losing four of their last five. Very disappointing for them. And I have to say, too, uh, on a side note, Louisville and NC State, when I checked back into those games, played around on the defensive side. Again, there's a lot of good, like I said, I've been learning so much. There's a lot of great coordinating going on, uh, little scheme maneuvers, both on offense and defense. And that happened with Louisville and NC State. And they really, uh, Sam Hartman is, is, is a veteran. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He does not make mistakes unless you really mess with his head. And those two teams did that. And Wake Forest, who's usually very solid in execution, uh, part of Dave Klaassen's staple, uh, just fell apart in those two games offensively. I mean, making mistakes. They scored points. But, you know, and then so the defense wasn't even quite. They'd been getting injuries all year. There'd been injuries on the defense all year, but it was. They weren't to the breaking point yet. Uh, if, if you, they were giving up some runs, actually. It was more runs from Louisville and NC State, not as much the pass. And actually, NC State didn't, even had, didn't have that many yards. Uh, they were totally, it was just all the mistakes. And then the North Carolina game, they were missing another couple guys in that secondary, and Derek May and company just burned the heck out of them. And, and it wasn't, they, they weren't the same. They left, and even the next two games, they won one, lost one, but they were, they were struggling.
against Duke, they gave up some last drives to lose that one. So the good news for Wake Forest is a lot of their guys are healthy again. And uh, and that and that's big. And and that's like my first take on this is just that, you know, uh, they're they they are a good team. They're not as good as last year. They don't. They've lost some guys, but they still have a great offense, uh, especially with Hartman and Terry, uh, the receiver. And Missouri's big thing this year has been defense. Uh, on their side, uh, you have you know again we've had like I said some people coming through uh, trying to replace Pinkle. And the first guy was uh, Barry Odom, which you would have expected would have worked out well. Uh, he was a guy who'd been coaching under Pinkle. He's a real good defensive mind and did some real good stuff. He moved out of the 4-3 into the 3-3 type of hybrid stuff at Memphis when he was defensive coordinating. And then when he came back to Missouri as a defensive coordinator. But when he, got, when he became head coach, his defense started to suffer. And it just got worse. I mean, it, it hasn't been the same. And, it, and, and he started to go into more of a read and react instead of the aggressive pressure that he was doing before and the mixing. Um, I think some of that has to do with the guy that was under him, uh, Ryan uh, Walter, I think is the name, if I have that right. Uh, let me just take a quick look here uh, get that right for you guys. Uh, oh, no, I don't have it. <laughs> uh, let me see. I think I think it's Ryan Walter, uh, whatever. But he had a, a guy who's been with him before and had more of a conservative background, and uh, and and, it, and it, Ryan Walters, yeah, there it is. Yeah, he he just he he was with uh, Odom for a while but before that, and he was with the Stoops, uh, Mark Stoops, which is good too. But he's had a conservative background sort of before that, and I sort of felt like I mean maybe it had something to do with that. He um he's under Bianema now. Now he's a head coach at Purdue. So I mean it, it works if you under Bianema and you're getting the kind of talent you need and the ex- and the and the and the operations are good. But I mean I, I just think it was going away. I think there was stuff that Odom was doing defensively that was great, and he went away from it. And and offensively he actually was doing great because he got Josh Heupel who's doing the Bryles slash air raid stuff, and then he had um Dicky. Uh, I might get uh, this guy, <laughs> uh, the the offensive coordinator that was with uh, Dooley, Dooley, yeah, Derek Dooley, and he was doing a really interesting. And you know, again, I had some things that I had studied before, and I had to leave off the table for a while. So I came back to it when I was visiting this game, and uh, Derek Dooley was putting together some interesting stuff. I think it's still a work in progress. It didn't work as well once uh, his star quarterback left, but uh, it was uh, it had pro elements with the power spread, but it was more than just that. It was almost like I'd call it a PS Pro 2020 moving into a PS multiple. It's like he has a multiple. and and But that's still something that's a work in progress for everyone. And, you know, he... Um, yeah, he was using his tight ends. He was spreading it out wide. He was doing even Bryle stuff because he was still taking some of Hypel stuff. So he'd have like trips, a normal trips, a condensed trips, or the trips all the way to the sideline, which is three receivers. So you'd have them bunched in close, spread out normal, or even like Art Bryles does, put everybody on the sideline and completely open up the space. And he was powering the ball from all that, those ways. Uh, when he had a, a more of a, a running quarterback after his star left, uh, he was able to uh, do more spread running, 
but 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 all kinds of good stuff was happening there. So interestingly enough, Odom's offense was better than his defense, and his real falling point was his defense. But then there were some just cultural things. He was he he had a couple winning seasons, and then it got he got into a losing season. There were things off off the field going on. So, anyways, in comes Eli uh, Drinkwitz, and he's a Gus Malzahn guy all the way back to when Gus all the way back to high school, and also of late Brian Harson. Uh, the Boise, and I know he's been at Auburn and that didn't work out, but he's a Boise State, strong Boise State, and they run a really interesting PS Pro, PS Multiple thing. They've been doing that for a while. So you get a little pro in there with the Malzahn stuff, and I think Drinkowitz has found some success with that as a coordinator, but now he's here trying to resurrect this program and get it back to where it was, and he's struggling. Uh, and he's also struggling on defense. He kept Ryan Walters for a year, and it wasn't a bad idea see what this guy's going to do. But then you find out, now this guy's just, and it's not that he's not aggressive. It's more like he's not mixing enough. There's not enough variety. You can either be not aggressive or you cannot have enough variety. You need aggressive variety. So you start, you can blitz or you can just run real, do games on the line with your linemen. But if you're not mixing coverage, that's a problem. If you're just going straight man to man all the time with, with some, you know, and I think that's what was happening there. And that was just getting burned. So then he brought in a guy from the NFL, Steve Wilkes. And I, Wilkes, comes from a kind of a mixed coverage background and 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 there's some pressure stuff in his background but he doesn't do it that much he's more like sit back and mix coverage yes he'll do that but without the pressure and, and his coverage doesn't mix quite enough i got elko the guy i just talked about elko who did so great for Clawson and even at notre dame he mixes that pressure and i mean he mixes the um the coverages and then but he does it even more so than Wilkes. He'll go into man-to-man, he'll go into press, he'll go into quarters, he'll go into, you know, six, cover six, he'll show one thing, go to another, but he doesn't get it too complicated. It's pretty simple. And then he'll throw in some blitz here and there, some zone blitz, and he mi- so it's just a little bit more of a mix. Wilkes doesn't do that. And sure enough, with the power spread in college, forget it. It's stronger than it is in the NFL, scheme-wise. And, you know, so Wilkes came down to college and went right back to the NFL where he belongs because... He was just backed off too much, and teams were running all over uh, Missouri. So Drinkwitz, I think, made a great hire this year coming in with Blake Baker. I like this guy, Blake Baker. Now, he's another guy I studied before and, and was always had him on the table. And uh, his background is, is good. Eric Schumann, who I mentioned in another podcast. Eric Schumann's a Jolie Dunn guy. He runs a 4-3, but whatever. He has Jolie Dunn roots. Will Muschamps, I've always respected Will Muschamps as a defensive coordinator. Sort of Saban, but more than that. But 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 Saban a lot is his background. And uh, but anyways, he maybe not a head coach, but definitely defensive coordinator. Manny Diaz, another guy. Interesting stuff. Different than Muschamps, a little more of the mix and coverage, but definitely doing zone blitz. So he likes to mix and coverage, but he'll do his zone blitz, his fire blitzes. Sometimes need a, needs a little more variety in the pressure, and that's where his falling point is. But overall, I mean, you know, these guys are trying to keep it simple for their players too. So it's a, you know, it's a tricky thing. So Diaz is a real good guy, and and Blaker, Baker was real big on that guy. And then John Thompson, who's Joe Lee Dunn, 
and uh, Kim Dameron, who also is Tyrone Nix, who's Jolie Dunn, who's John Thompson with Jolie. So it's all this stuff. So Blake Baker's a guy, he's going to mix the 3-3. I saw it years ago. Everyone's doing it now, but he was doing it with Louisiana Tech back in 2015, 16. I, I loved it, and it was ahead of its game, a little, few couple of years ahead of it. Um, you know, doing the hybrid, mixing stuff up, pressure and... Uh, coverage and sure enough missouri has had their best year in my opinion since elko i mean i'm not since they didn't have elko i'm sorry um but they had some good defense back with odom back when odom was just doing defensive coordinating they had their best year this year so uh and a lot of the and a lot of the you know they they had a and they've had their injuries they've had their share of injuries they were supposed to have a dynamic uh defensive end team mcguire and jeffcoat but actually jeffcoat was replaced by a transfer uh, DJ Coleman this year uh, came in uh, from Jackson State, and he he lit it up. But but still, they had you know they and then they have they had some good linebackers, some line, line, uh, defensive backs. I, I like their nickelback Carnell a lot. He does it all. Uh, Charles, uh, I mean Carly's a defensive back. So, anyways, these are guys I've seen. And and anyway, so it was a good, really good defense. Uh, the issue more was offense for Missouri. But coming into this game, uh, what we're having now is that Missouri's offense, you know, they, they lost uh, their quarterback from last year, and they lost uh, – their offensive line should have been good, but it, it, they had guys coming back, but their right tackle went out for pretty much the year, White. And and then they had, a, a, I think, another injury along that line, or a, a replacement. So it wasn't quite as good as maybe you would have expected. They lost a really good running back. Uh, Tyler Batty. So they lost the quarterback. The running back had an injury on the line. Uh, Offense, you know, Drinkwitz hasn't really shown up like a Malzahn offense like and and I don't know if it's some of that Harson stuff that's holding him back I'm not really sure I'm not sure he's doing much tempo like Malzahn does I'm not sure yet I have to check into this more but um, I just know the stats aren't there for it and it's been you know I thought the defense was stronger and the issue we have coming into this game is a bunch of the defensive players are bailing out there's guys that are hurt there's guys that are opting out McGuire and Coleman are out then Jeff Cote I think's out I mean, they're moving defensive tackles to defensive end to cover it. They've got other guys out on defense who are opting out. So the part that's good about them, they're missing those guys. So, yeah, I mean, this is all setting up for Wake Forest and a good send-off for Hartman, who I think is going to be out of here, if I'm correct. Um, and, uh, you know, during the year, Missouri, you know, again, you ask the question at 6-6, six and six, should they be here? Even Wake Forest, you know, they had a real bad end of the year, so I don't know. But it is what it is, and here we are. So I, I like that Wake Forest is here because I think they were better than their record. I don't know about Missouri here, but anyways. Uh, but again, tough, tough schedule, this team. I mean, they, they lost a close one to Auburn, a tough one to Georgia. They actually scared Georgia, and everybody was shocked by that. A tough one to Florida. They won a couple, then they lost a tough one to Kentucky. And finally, they just, you know, they had some injuries heading into the Tennessee, and Tennessee's offense just blew them out. And then they did win their last two games, but it was New Mexico State and Arkansas. So I, I, I think with the losses they're having on defense, you just, I, I, you, you got to go with Wake Forest here. Um, I, I mentioned a little bit about some of this. I wanted to say one more guy, DJ Smith, who's also helping that defense over there with Blake. Uh, Blake Baker, 
Uh, DJ Smith has got Dom Capers, Wade Phillips in his background, and Nate Woody, who I've mentioned before, who does a lot of neat stuff. In fact, Nate Woody's guy is at Louisville, uh, Brian Brown. And he's the guy that made up that great scheme to, to shut down uh, Wake Forest. But anyway, uh, so DJ you know, Smith is also, was also there these last couple years seeing this travesty that was going on. But that's interesting. So DJ Smith is still there. I have a feeling the way their defense performed this year that he and Blake, uh, Blake Baker are working out really well. So maybe Eliah Drink- Drinkwitz has his defense coming together into something. Now he just has to get this offense going where he's got it. I mean, I didn't make mention of their quarterback this year, but, you know, I, I Brady Cook, he's not bad, you know, but he's not great either. I, I, I just don't, it's not exciting. I don't, I don't see an exciting running back. Uh, they have some really good receivers. They have a number one recruit this year, Luther uh, Burden, uh, Mookie Cooper from Ohio State, uh, s- some other guys uh, that I'm leaving off, Bannister, Whatever, but anyways, I just, you know, I I I wonder where Drinkwitz is going to go with this, and I wonder if you know, and and I, I wonder, I, I'm I'm curious to look at him and what he's doing with his scheme. Maybe you know, for some guys, the the pro stuff works in well. For other guys, you've got to go more PS. You know, you have to find your own balance on it. Um, so it's not like it's a bad offense. It's just not the great offense that you'd expect. Oh, Dominic Lovett, but I think he's out for this game. Am I correct? He might be out for this game. I don't know. I think he's out. Yeah, because he transferred. Transfer portal. Portal. I think he went to Georgia, and he was their best receiver. So, you know, there's another loss for Missouri. So that's not looking good for them at all. Uh, it's going to be played down in the Gasparilla Bowl, which is that fun stuff down in Florida. Uh, the, the Pirates, they're coming out, all the Pirates. Uh, two, Mike Leach should be there, right? And um, so, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a... Uh, as a home game for either team. And I think the weather is going to be fine. Am I correct? Because the weather's been nuts everywhere. Uh, is it? Yeah. The weather, it's a little on the chilly side for Florida, but it, 51 degrees, but it's better than 20 degrees. So no, it's, it's going to, I think they're going to, um, I, I think it's going to be real hard to, to stop Hartman in his last game here uh, for wake. So I also wanted to mention uh, Dave Clawson as a guy that I've always, I had to put it on the table He's had a longtime coordinator, Warren Ruggiero. And I've put these guys on the table for a long time because they do a spread stuff. But where do they get it from? And finally, I did a deep dive and Lehigh's Hank Small. And I had him in, the, in my notes. I had him in my, uh, I keep all these bookmark notes and stuff. And yeah, I had him there. I knew about him, but I studied more on this and found out more, which is so cool. Hank Small, Small went to Flor- was at Florida State right after Peterson left, Bill Peterson. Peterson was a Gilman guy. He actually had Gilman over at his practices all the time. And that's where Bowden came from, Joe Gibbs. A lot of these guys came from there. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, even though Small was there right after he left, Larry Jones, who showed up, definitely took that into account. And also the guy that was a coordinator there, Steve Sloan, was from Bama. And Bear Bryant was a big Gilman guy. That's Joe Namath. That's the Joe Namath stuff. So this is a whole historical lesson. But Hank Small had a really cool, what I call, West Coast spread. I would call BYU the West Coast offense. The way I distinguish that, we call it the WCO, the West Coast offense, which is what Bill Walsh really is known for. And it's more of a just horizontal, short passing game, pass first. Gilman's the West Coast. He was the original West Coast. And that is a more variety of both of, all, of, of short, horizontal, 
medium in the middle and then so deep. It stretches everywhere. And then Eric Coriel kind of, I, th- I think of it more as the Oakland Raiders, L. Davis guys stretched real deep. And then Eric Coriel to me just all oh, hit that real intermediate, but of course could go deep and short. He had a screen game. He had the whole thing, but it was big time spread. It was spread. He spread it out more. So anyways, I, you know, this guy, Hank Small was, got the Gilman stuff in the seventies and went to New England where under Chuck Fairbanks was Perkins and Earhart, the EP stuff, Earhart Perkins, which is another thing. Earhart comes from the option, the Veer option stuff. Perkins is another Gilman guy at Alabama again. So you put those together. They had a real system of quick passing, spread passing, combined with heavy running, of course, like power, the old power spread ahead of its time. It, 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 it hit its, I think, big peak with Cordell Stewart. In, uh, I know it was a Giants thing more, the way the Giants played their offense, but Cordell Stewart for the Steelers slash. You had Noel Donnell doing the short passing game everywhere. Then you put Stewart in there, and you had a little real PS football ahead of its time with Bill Cowher doing the option stuff a little bit. And, you know, you used Cordell as a receiver, too, and then he'd throw the ball, too, and throw it deep, too. So it had everything. So it's a real spread game, really. Power spread. Power spread is what that is. So... You know, this guy Hank Small had that, Gilman and EP, and then he in the eighties he studied Coriel and Walsh's stuff to continue his West Coast. So he ended up having a a one back system, which is definitely Gilman and Coriel, and the short passing game of Walsh with some power game and some spread out more. Like where he'd use even zero backs, but more he used four receivers, four receivers a lot. But it wasn't like the run and shoot. It was a drop back pass, pocket passing, five strep drops for the short pass game, seven strep drop, hit the deep. But it was a real spread passing game. And that's where Clausen learned his stuff. That's where Clausen came from. And then when he went to uh, Bowling Green, he learned a little, I'm sure, about the Urban Meyer stuff because that's what they were doing there and, and Greg Brandon was still there and that's who he took over for. So he learned a little bit about the power spread and he brought in Warren Ruggiero who took over for Rich Rodriguez at Glenville State when Rich left. There's your power spread right there. And then he was at Hofstra, Warren Ruggiero. And that's Manny Matsakis, Rob Spence, the run and shoot. So he brings in a real spread guy of the modern spread stuff, the power spread. And from Bowling Green on, it's power spread all the way, but it's a, more like a PS multiple or PS pro. But I would almost say PS multiple. It's, it's got pro elements, but it's like PS multiple. It's, it's ahead of its time. Like it's ahead of its time. A PS pro 2020 again, kind of like the dually stuff I was just talking about. So I finally got my, I finally get the whole thing with Kloss in here. He mixes his tempo. He doesn't go up tempo all the time, but he'll mix it up. And, you know, he had a real good uh, quarterback, Wolford, who actually did played for the Rams in, the, their, in their playoff run, uh, in their playoffs. But anyway, he had Wolford there and, um, and did, and, and, and it was, his program has been building and building. There's a lot of culture stuff going on too. It's not just about scheme. And, and Klaassen obviously gets that. And then lately with Hartman, it just really went to another level and they had a great year last year. But now we go to the defensive side. He has not been right on defense since Elko left. And they brought, they got, and he was using Elko guys, and they weren't doing it the right way. It wasn't working. So now he brought in a guy, Brad Lambert, and Brad Lambert's not like I say cutting edge by any stretch. In fact, his background's pretty conservative. But he did have Joe Kynes, who's a Joe Lee Dunn three three guy in the day. He had Jim Grobe, who was like a Parcells three four guy, and uh, and then of late he went. He was coaching with Ron English. Uh, 
at uh, Purdue. And Ron, Ron English is a very conservative background, but lately they've been, they were, uh, Ron English was under Todd Grantham, who's the whole Blitzberg thing. And he's been really mixing stuff up. And he was with Dan Mullen for a bit there at Mississippi State and, and, and uh, Florida. And Grantham was really doing a mix, a pressure mix with some coverage mix and, and kind of getting it up to date in the modern day. And Lambert's with English were doing that kind of thing at Purdue the last couple of years for Jeff Brome. But he comes over to Wake Forest, and, and if you look at the beginning of the year, their defense was not bad at all. It just finally caved in with all the injuries. So with those guys back, don't expect their defense to play like it did at the end of the year. I think – now, I'm not saying Brad Lambert's some great defensive coordinator. I like Blake, uh, the guy on the other side, Blake Baker, better. But he's not bad. And I think what he's doing now is not bad. I think Wake Forest – I think it's better than it's been. Their defense was doing – I think it's going to be okay. It's going to be good enough, and I think Hartman's going to have a big game. I think you know Wake Forest has got to take this game. 